Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. Bertha Charuma on SAFM. And I'm in for Oliver Dixon. And uh, let's talk about virtual government schools, the answer to education infrastructure and budget cuts. And our guest this evening is Dr. David Makova. He's a registered chartered accountant and holds a PhD in project and infrastructure finance. Also CEO of Mr. Mac, a dynamic education platform. And he gets to unpack uh, what virtual government schools are and what it all means. Good evening and welcome to Night Talk. Good evening, Bertha. Great to be here. Thank you so much for making time. What exactly is virtual government schools? Well, I think I want to go into the virtual education arena because it's applicable to government, it's applicable to the private sector as well. Mm -hmm. But effectively, it's when you use technology tools to effectively roll out an education program. And the hope is that when you use those tools, you have more impactful education outcomes. Frequently, what's happening across the world is they're not being used in isolation. They're being used in conjunction with traditional education classes, what we call a blended learning approach. And in lots of situations, we found that when they're appropriately deployed, the outcomes in terms of students learning is superior to just using a classroom type of setup and you get some efficiencies in terms of the economics and costs of rolling out effective education. Mm. And um, Mr. Mack is Africa's most engaging, dynamic, entertaining business learning platform. And uh, you focus on delivering, you know, practical uh, practitioner-led business education for African African, uh, continent and Africans living in the diaspora. If maybe you would like to elaborate on that so that I can really get a holistic picture of exactly what you do. Sure thing. So, So we focus on what we call the business market. We focus on life skills, really focusing on people from around the age of 16 and above. Uh, And what you find with education, business education in particular, is that a lot of it is uh, from European sources, from North American sources. But for education to have impact, for you to like, ah, that makes a difference to my life, it actually has to be contextualized. And what we do is we take education and we contextualize it in African markets. And that's a lot more impactful. Second to that is if you have to do an MBA in South Africa at this point in time, for instance, you're probably going to be coughing up about 500,000 rand. Yeah, rounding up, it's a generic figure. What we're able to do with digital content is actually reduce the price point in such a way that it's accessible to the mass market. And that's really the beauty of digital education when it's curated well, when it's brought together in a way that's compelling and that's engaging. You've got virtually zero marginal cost, so you can roll it out once you've developed it at very, very economic levels and impact and access a much greater proportion of your population. Mm. And, and, and do you see this being very effective? I mean, considering, you know, the African landscape is a little bit yeah. complex in the sense that we are always a little bit, just a little bit slower than everybody yeah. else in terms of tech. Yeah, it's not about the African continent per se. It's how you use education technology in a way that harnesses human nature. 
And I'm going to give you a very, very simplistic example. This morning, I took my daughter to school. In the car, we're having a nice chat. We get to school, I walk her to the classroom. I meet two of her friends. I know them. I meet two of her friends. My daughter's proud of me. She's engaging with her friends. She's engaging with her colleagues. You can never take that away. So the human contact is absolutely essential. The way people are wired is even when they learn, be they adults or children, they want to be engaging with other people. They want to be social. What we don't aim to do on Mr. Mac Learning is to claim that the digital aspect is going to replace the human aspect. What we say is we can enhance the learning. Uh, we can enhance outcomes. We can actually make the learning accessible at much more competitive price points. And that's absolutely critical because learning is communal. And absolutely, you can build community on an education platform, uh, on a technology platform. But what we find is the most effective way of doing it is when we have a blended learning approach. You've got the education technology, you've got our catalog, which is amazing, which is fantastic. And companies and organizations are using it in conjunction with face-to-face -face approaches as well, what we call blended learning. That's really the chemistry where you get the best outcomes in that regard. Mm. Does it not then affect, um, not that I'm being um, you know, negative or anything, but yeah. just trying to understand, you know, our social skills, our soft skills of communicating. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you, you're spot on, and and that's why I emphasise the so the social skills and the human interactive skills. You speak about communication. I'll add teamwork. I'll add competition. To some extent, you can replicate this using technology. In some areas, actually, you can't, but to some extent, you can. But you do need the interactive human experience to blend with the technology to have the best outcomes. So education technology, and believe me, it's coming from me who owns an edtech platform and who's very invested in this space. Education technology is not a silver bullet. It is part of the solution. And what you're seeing at the moment is sometimes people act as if it is the silver bullet and it's not. And how it's curated, how it's brought together is very, very important. So getting books, digitizing them, putting them on the internet and saying that is edtech doesn't work. Uh, a lot of people, even with education technology, are looking for the interactive piece. So on Mr. Mac Learning, for instance, we've got pre-recorded content, which is curated really brilliantly. But in addition to that, we offer, um, on digital perspective, we use platforms like Zoom and Microsoft Teams, live interactive sessions. Because that's how the human brain is wired. We are social creatures. And we're wired in such a way that we learn in a social way. So the blend of harnessing technology, and technology has got fantastic advantages, but at the same time, harnessing our human instinct to interact, to communicate, to collaborate, to go on a learning journey, not just by ourselves. That is where the best solutions come together. Yeah. And so when, okay, so let's say in, in, in a, for, for, for three months or whatever period it is that you have to learn something, you know, yeah. you, you, you can learn it uh, virtually when it's yes. time to examine 
What then happens? So you can examine in different ways. Um, uh, what we're seeing at the moment on an edtech platform is you can examine using what we call multiple choice questions. But now students can also submit their assignments um, online. So it's uploaded digitally and those assessments can be marked. Um, obviously, the opportunities and I emphasize the opportunities and challenges that are coming about um, with generative AI in terms of students not um, getting these technologies to do their work for them. But what it's essentially saying to us educators is you need a much more sophisticated way of assessing and examining these students because those technologies like um, generative AI aren't going to go away. So how do we integrate them into the learning process to enhance the learning process? And how do you assess and examine these students in such a way that you can uh, determine the skills that they've learned and they're able to apply and which they cannot uh, game the system using some of these widely uh, mm. available technologies. So generative um, AI, for instance, is going to be fantastic for education because what we'll be able to do is we'll be able to give everyone a personalized tutor. They know David is pretty good at communication, at English, at history, but he's not so good at maths. And actually, even in maths, he's good at fractions and algebra, but he's not so good at geometry. It will be able to personalize it. So the technology offers incredible opportunities, but it's not a silver bullet. I still enjoy the fact that my daughter goes to school and she has a teacher and the human element, the social element um, is addressed through those human interactions. We need a blend of both. Mm. And I, I like the fact that you highlighted, you know, the digital tech doing your assignments for you, where you can yeah. basically override the system or play the system, if I may call yeah. it that way. So yeah. in, in, in a case where then it becomes a bit of a challenge, are there uh, any processes in, in place to mitigate such, such, such issues? Sure, sure. So, so, so the technology is way ahead of academic institutions. When I say academic institutions, I include um, schools, primary, secondary, the universities, the business schools globally. Uh, what, what those institutions are doing is they are playing catch up. Um, and, and, and you can't, the genie's out of the bottle. Generative AI is there. You, you're not going to be able to put it back. The question the challenge for us becomes how do we enable and allow students to effectively use these tools as a co-pilot, but at the same time, make sure we're able to embed certain key skills, certain key principles in the human being themselves. So you want someone to be able to write. You want someone to be able to have rigorous thinking. You want someone to be able to do maths. You know, those core skills and capabilities in terms of logic and reasoning, you're not going to be able to shut down the ability to go onto ChatGPT, put in an inquiry, and it spits out an essay. The question becomes, how do you now assess, examine these people based on the fact that they've got access to these this technology and these skills? And in the corporates we work in, we're doing fantastic work because a lot of the uh, assessment is in real life application and excuse my French you can't BS the real life application uh, you've got a challenge you design a solution you ultimately deliver on that solution 
or you fail and you learn why it didn't work. Um, so the practicality of education actually is enhanced or accelerated by enabling these people to use these tools. They're not going away. Actually, they're just going to become better and more universally accessible. Yeah. No, it is so true that we, we need to adjust because this disruption is happening anyway. Who thought that, yeah. uh, you know, encyclopedias would be so extinct, um, yeah. you know? It, yeah. is, it is what it is and we have to deal with it. Well, we're going to take a small break. But before we take a small break, um, in case you would like to comment, maybe you want to share some insight or maybe you want to share an opinion, you can give us a call on 086-000-2032. That's 086-000-2032. Or you can send us a voice note. Make sure it's audible. It's clear. 0614-104-107. That's 0614-104-107. We'll be back. Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. Bertha Charuma on SAFM. And um, I'm talking to uh, Dr. David McCover. He's a registered chartered accountant and holds a PhD in project and infrastructure finance and also CEO of Mr. Mac, a dynamic education platform. And he's just giving us, you know, breaking down exactly what they do. And, you know, the migration of education, we are actually moving from the traditional way where you have to go to a space where it's mortar and bricks. And now we are going all virtual. And, um, you know, you will get some people that are a little bit resistant or you can get other people that are a little bit um, nervous about, you know, this this um, transition. But I suppose like uh, we highlighted earlier on, it's something that has to be done. It has to happen at some point. Um, it's happening elsewhere and we cannot be left behind. Now, coming back, um, uh, Dr. David. Now, in in your work that you do, this has been happen you you've done this for a while now what has been the reaction and what what you know what, what how in terms of what you've received so far are people resistant are they resisting this process or people are embracing it embracing it entirely because what we're finding particularly in the working environment is there's an incredible need for what we call micro learning so you don't have to go into a course for a year. You need to learn something very, very specific for your job. And once you've learned it, you need to apply those skills. And in our space, that, that's been incredible because when you um, log on to our digital platform, for instance, you get specific skills. You can learn them within even a day or two and you apply them in the workplace. Price points are very, very accessible. And the company you're working for gets an incredible return on investment so a lot of people have embraced that and again i'm going to use a very very simplistic um, example but that makes the point um we have started delivering courses on the metaverse and what we call augmented and virtual reality you put on these virtual reality headsets um meta or facebook has got what they call an oculus um apple has got what they call vision pro now the uptake of adults who want to learn what this technology is about and how they can apply it in the workplace or for entertainment purposes has been incredible. Why? Because we've made it available by way of simple webinars, which are one hour or two hours long, depending on our target audience. So someone can come on within an hour, actually learn the core principles of this technology and how it may impact on their business. And the uptake, like I said, has been incredible. 
Now, with my six-year-old daughters, the other extreme, she just put the goggles on and she's learned it <laughs> naturally. She didn't have an academic experience. She had a, a, an immersive experience and kids' uptake is fantastic. So um, from, from my perspective, the, the, the tech has got a role. Um, it, it's got a fantastic uh, role to play going forward from an education perspective, but it's not a universal silver bullet. And if we take it with its current capabilities um, and apply those and leverage those, but not try and diminish the social aspect, the engagement aspect, then we're in a fantastic place. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, the other the, earlier on, just before the break, we're talking about, you know, these all these uh, platforms that can give you all these funny solutions. So there's one that this one particular one. I don't know whether you, you you're you're aware yeah. of it or acquainted yeah. to it called Ask Al. So when you go yeah. to Ask Al, I can actually yeah. say, Al or Ask Al, I need yeah. a thesis on yes. whatever. And Al will write my thesis you know, yeah. and, and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, this is worrisome. That is worrisome. Um, I, I don't consider that an edtech platform per se. That is really someone using um, technology to basically do assignments on behalf of other people. And the people are commissioning these people to do these assignments are actually being dishonest. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't consider that an edtech platform. It's just a form of dis dishonesty that's enabled by digital technologies. And it's a big challenge in, in South Africa, as we've seen in the recent past. Um, people who either uh, make false statements about their qualifications or obtain their qualifications inappropriately. The problem is not the education, it's people and how they use it. Sorry, the problem is not the technology, it's people and how they're using the technology for inappropriate purposes. Mm. And will you be mm. able then to detect that, Bertha? You did a funny business here. Yeah, they're the, the, the tools, but those tools aren't, um, uh, they're not perfect. So, for instance, there's a tool called Turnitin. Um, where assignments traditionally by the business schools and schools would be put through. And they can detect whether um, the, these assignments have been submitted before, you've plagiarized, or whatever the case may be. Um, but the challenge, even with tools like Turnitin, is now with generative AI. Um, it's, it's compiling or doing the assignment from scratch. <laughs> so, yes, it's getting it from different sources, but it's compiling it as a new and original work. So even tools like Turnitin don't pick it up. And that's why I said earlier on, at this point in time, the technology is ahead of where the institutions and the regulations are to detect this type of thing. Um, so, so it's a concern, but it's not a major concern in the sense of the space I'm operating in. And I'll give you an example, Bertha. Yes. You can, you can go on to... Uh, chat GPT and get something, get it to write something about project finance and infrastructure finance. Yeah. And yeah. to write something very, very well. When you stand up in front of a client and they start asking questions, <laughs> you're going to be blown out of the water. <laughs> Your credibility is gone. <laughs> and so, so we're actually using this tool at Mr. Mac Learning. It's, it's fantastic, for instance, in helping us design things. And it can do what used to take me two days 
literally, if I refine the questions and the prompts appropriately, now it takes me two hours. But our value add comes in the customization, uh, the case studies, the experience, which is really what resonates with the clients. So the tools are useful. They're valuable. I, I would encourage the extension of their usage from an education perspective for preparing lectures or classes and all these things. But the really, really good teachers will add a 20% customization experience case study that those tools cannot have. And that's really going to be the value add and the differentiator. And that's what now clients are paying for. Mm. And in terms mm. of rolling out, because it, it'll be wonderful. Um, I yeah. know that this is your your baby now. You know, you, it's your thing. Um, if then maybe government will start saying, look, we're buying into this idea and we would like to roll it yeah. out. Do you think they are open minded like that at this point? Um, so government is responsive to a solution that works. Um if, if 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 there isn't a solution that works, it's it's your expectations are a bit too high if you think government will come up with a solution. So if there's a holistic solution where you can demonstrate it works, the outcomes are very, very explicit and they're clear. It can be applied in Limpopo, a rural uh, village in Limpopo, as well as a school in Johannesburg, which is better equipped. And you can demonstrate that. Um, I see no reason why there wouldn't be uptake. Um, I think getting that holistic solution, uh, which shows its efficacy for primary and secondary school across some of the key subjects, even now, I haven't come across that yet in SA. Um, and uh, what, that's why we focus on business education, because we're able to tackle a very, very specific niche. Companies, uh, the business schools, the CETAs, some of the public sector organizations, et cetera, et cetera. And in that regard, government has shown significant appetite for the solution. Um, so I'm optimistic, but we need to offer a solution that works and that's effective. And if we can do that, yes, there might be some convincing to be done, but there'll be uptake from the public sector as well. Mm. And just before mm. I let you go, you said this is uh, your your platform uh, caters for at 16 and above or... Roughly 16 and above, um, some of the schools have actually started using it, uh, particularly uh, some of the accounting students, the economic students. And we've got a section there called Career Launcher on Life Skills. <laughs> so it's incredible the uptake there. Um, uh, um, uh, so originally designed for 18 and above, but it seems just by natural word of mouth, it's going to the lower ages from about 14 and above. From 14 to someone who's a CEO and who's 60, or whatever the case may be. And um, a site where we can find you? So just go www.mrmaclearning.com. Mr. Mac, so M-R-M-A-K um, or M-I-S-T-E-R-M-A-K.com. Mr. Mac.com. Dr. David McCover, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Night Talk on SAFM. This has been quite insightful. And it's been a pleasure. Have have yourself a pleasant evening. That's Doctor. Thank you so much. That's Doctor David Makova, registered chartered accountant and holds a PhD in project and infrastructure finance. Uh, also, he is the CEO of uh, Mr. Mac, a dynamic education platform. It is eleven, and it's time for news with Greg.